I did it. I didn't fall up the stairs. So all you people out there said, don't fall up the stairs. I didn't fall up the stairs. Uh, welcome to Eagle Church. All you race fans out there. Okay, no race fans. They're all at the track. So thank you guys for coming today. Uh, my name is Seth Vaught. I'm one of the elders here at Eagle Church. Uh, my wife and I have been attending Eagle Church for just about 20 years now. And... Uh, been very involved in next-gen ministry, partnering with Rob and Ian. Um, just ex- excited to be up here, honestly. A little bit nervous, but I'm trying to get over that. Um, thankfully, I do this for a living. I teach middle school English in Brownsburg. And so I'm used to sitting, and, or standing, not sitting, standing in front of all these people. And thankfully, I've got some middle schoolers up front to, uh, I, can, I can see You guys give me some positive feedback. There's the positive feedback. Now we're doing all right. Um, Before we get started, can we just pray? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the freedom to worship openly. Thank you for this opportunity. I want to lift up the families who've lost loved ones in defending that freedom. I know that there are people here who are hurting today, Lord. I just pray that you would comfort them. We just want to honor you today with our thoughts, our words, our actions. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. So today, I want to talk to you about an awkward topic, prayer. Now, you might not think on the face of it that's an awkward topic, but it actually is quite awkward. Let me demonstrate how awkward it is for you. Why do you pray? When do you pray? What do you pray for? How do you pray? All of these questions demonstrate just how personal this topic is. Some of you may even feel convicted, like, I don't pray very much at all. It's scary. Because prayer is a bit like a window into your relationship with God. Some of us treat prayer like this image, where you only break in case of emergency. Then I'm going to break out in prayer. That's when I need prayers, when there's an emergency. Or maybe you're frustrated with the answers God's given you. Or maybe you're frustrated because you haven't heard from God at all. Maybe you're a person who prays for lots of other people, but you don't pray for yourself and what God has for you. Or maybe you're that person that just doesn't pray at all. Any one of those circumstances is still an accurate reflection of your relationship with God. Six months ago, Pastor Eric emailed me and he said, Hey, Seth, would you be open to giving the message on Memorial Day weekend? My first response was, no, thank you. No, no, I don't want to get up here and talk all. He said, but the crowd's going to be thin, which... <laughs> it's okay, so that was, a, that was a thing in his nature. But he didn't... He didn't say, hey, do it. He said, would you pray about it? So I set about praying about it. I prayed, God, how can I say no to Eric? 
I prayed, God, what would be the right words that would still honor you and still get me out of this? But I knew in my heart that I still had to do this. The prompting was too strong. But I kept explaining it like Moses did. I can't because. I can't because. But through the prayer, (laughs) I heard that buzzer. No, that's not going to work. The Spirit's prompting was too strong. And all I kept hearing was, yes, you can. I, I stole that, but thanks to Keith Arschbarger for put that together for me. Uh, I like the eagle symbol right there in the yes, you can. And so, yeah, I, I knew that I had to do this, so I agreed with it, and so I decided to just be obedient and stand up here. Uh, it's been a journey, though. And once I said yes, that's actually when the real praying began. God, give me the words. God, give me a topic. God, give me the courage. God, give me a topic. (laughs) And the words, but the topic mostly. And that prayer went on, it went on for three months. Prayer. I I started this in December, this journey in December, and all the way through March, I kept praying this. You would think I would be preparing, but I was just praying because I I wanted a topic that really the Spirit had led me to do, and it was nothing. Nothing at all. I did get a prompting, though, that maybe I should talk with Rob. So I set a meeting with Rob over my spring break, and uh, we sat down to, to talk about this. I said, Rob, let's talk about my message. But through this whole hour and a half meeting, not once did we talk about my message. We talked about all kinds of other things. We talked about the Cubs. We talked about the Cardinals. We talked about next-gen ministry. We talked about some of the other issues we're trying to overcome. But not once did this come up until the very end. And... Um, and Rob said, so how's it going with your message? And I said, Rob, I, I got nothing. I was hoping maybe you would hand me a message, I could memorize it, and then I could give it. And that's, that's not what he had for me. And he, he asked me this question. He said, Seth, what are you doing right now that you can't do without God? Yeah, I stood there and signed, I'm like, I was drawing a blank, and pastor's sitting in front of me, he's asking me these questions, I got nothing, and so I was like, I, I don't know. Later, my wife is shaking her head, she's like, really? You're on the elder board, you pray all the time, what is with you? I, was, I don't know, it was a blank, it was a blank. But he followed it up with, uh, with another question, he said, what are you doing to prepare for this message? And I told Rob, I said, I'm just praying I'm just praying. And he said, well, that's it. That's your topic. What's my topic? Prayer. Prayer is your topic. Okay. That's not really in my comfort zone, but okay. So I started doing some research. Ben Patterson wrote a book called Deepening Your Conversation with God. And this is a quote. If you look at your note sheet, it's right there. The quote, perhaps one reason God delays his answers to our prayers is because he knows we need to be with him far more than we need the things we ask of him. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this down. Write this down on your note sheet. We need God far more than we need our prayers answered. That's what God was teaching me in that silence. I needed to be with God way more than I needed a topic. I think he was also not answering my prayer because he knew 
I needed to be closer to him before I was to give this message. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The prayer time I'd been consistently taking a part of was far greater than the message I'm giving now. So I want to try something new today. It might be out of your comfort zone too, but I did it so, so you can too. Today, I want you to do something that we do in the loft and we do in the student ministry all the time. We, it's called turn and talk. Turn and talk. And so it's a great way to keep people engaged, keep people from tuning out. And so what I want you to do is I want you to turn to the people around you and I want you to talk about these two questions. If you don't, aren't sitting by somebody, find a middle schooler, find a high schooler because they do this all the time. They are experts. Here's the question. At what time of the day do you pray most consistently, and where do you find yourself when you are praying? Okay, now, it's okay to talk. Go ahead and turn to the people around you and talk about this. Ready, set, go. All right, we're going to bring it back. Bring it back in now. I'm impressed. You guys did well. That was a little uncomfortable, but many of you jumped right in. So let's do a quick poll here. How many of you said that you mostly pray at night, maybe before bed? Okay, we've got some night prayers. Okay, how many of you are early risers? You pray. Oh, that was a lot more than I was expecting. Good for you guys. That is not me. No, 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 no. How about, um, how about before a meal? How many of you most consistently you pray before a meal? That's the one reminder. It's a good thing to do. Um, what about on, or in the car on the way to work? How many of you are car prayer? Oh, my mom, she was or is a prayer warrior. And she, used, she had a very difficult job where she dealt with a lot of people and a lot of organizational issues. And she used to tell me that when she, when she drove to work, she would pray. While she was at work, she would pray. On her way home, she was praying. Wow, that's a tough job. But if you turn to Colossians 4, verse 2, Colossians 4, verse 2, we're going to see that demonstrated here in the Bible. Colossians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I think my mom's attitude towards prayer is what Paul's talking about here when he's speaking to uh, the people of Colossus. The American Standard Bible says, devote yourselves to prayer. The King James Version says, continue earnestly in prayer. The original translation, continue steadfastly in prayer. So frankly, it doesn't matter when or where you're praying, because what Paul's saying here is that you should not stop praying. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. So how do we do that? Well, we need to pray 
with unending persistence. Unending, write this down. Pray with an unending persistence. I had a, a pretty tough group of students this year at Brownsburg West Middle School. A lot of behavioral issues, a lot of students that just needed help. And so each day at school, we start with the Pledge of Allegiance. And right after the Pledge of Allegiance, we have 60 seconds of silence. Just a moment of silence. And each day in those 60 seconds, I prayed for the kids on my team, the kids that I had a direct impact with. I prayed for God to be with them, to be with their families, to be in the family situations, to be with their behaviors. Uh, I also prayed that I wouldn't strangle anyone. I mean, I prayed for patience and empathy, but mostly not to strangle anyone. That's persistent prayer. It happens multiple times a day. Sometimes I had to pray at lunch because I felt I was starting to lose it, along with them also losing their minds, and so I needed God's, I needed God's hand in that. And if you're praying with persistence, wouldn't it also make sense that you would pray with passion? There's no sense in just going through the motions. In fact, every time we read about Jesus, Jesus is praying with passion, whether it's his own baptism in Luke where his passionate prayer opened up the heavens? Or how about in Luke 6, where Jesus' passionate all-night prayer session gave him direction for his entire ministry? In Luke 9, Jesus was praying, and his appearance became different, his clothes white and gleaming. Passionate prayer allows us to experience the glory of God. What about in Matthew 26? Garden of Gethsemane. Here's... Here's what it says. Sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 37. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. It's only through this passion of prayer that we can pour our hearts out to God. Even in Luke 23, 24, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he prayed passionately. He showed us that even in the darkest of times, in the most difficult of circumstances, we should still be praying. Write this down. Pray with passion as Jesus did. Jesus prayed with passion because he knew who it was he was talking to. And he knew that prayer to the Father is a powerful thing and not something to take lightly. Passionate prayer is prayer from the heart, not just the head. I was trying to think of an example of of this passion and uh, food came to mind. You know, we eat. Lots of us love to eat. And in the morning, sometimes we eat because it's time to eat. At lunch, half the time I got to remember to eat because I know if I don't, I'm going to be hungry later. And then there's this different level of hunger. It's called hangry. Have you guys, you guys familiar with hangry? It's where you are so hungry, you are angry. 
angry. My wife, 5.30, she's hangry. We got to get dinner on the table because holy smokes. That's the same kind of passion I'm talking about. We can just pray. We can go through the motions or we can pray with, hang- I mean, with passion. Not anger, passion. We got to pray with passion. So how else can we devote ourselves to prayer? The one thing Paul repeats in his letters is that we should pray with thankfulness. Whether it's in Ephesians where he says the natural outcome of being filled with the Spirit is gratitude, or in Philippians where he said we should give thanks as we make our petitions known to God, or even in 1 Timothy when he says that food and marriage are good things given to us by God and to be received with thanksgiving and gratitude. Write this one down. Pray with thankfulness. Pray with thankfulness. It's clear. Paul's making it very clear that we need to pray with thankfulness. But why should we be praying, for thankf- or praying with thankfulness? Well, expressing gratitude does several things for us. Number one, it tells God that we need him. It shows that we have a relationship with him. It also gives us the proper attitude And finally, and probably most importantly, it develops humility. Now, these prayers are more reflective of ourselves and our own circumstances, our current problems. But what about praying for others? Probably the most important prayer is intercessory prayer. Now, I'm confident all of you adults understand what intercessory prayer is, but let me explain it to the middle school and the high school students. Intercessory prayer is basically when you're praying that God would intervene or get involved in a in circumstance that involves other people. These prayers characterize the life of Jesus. When he prayed, he was praying for others, their needs, their ailments, their sin. He was praying for the fate of the world. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was praying passionately to God. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Even while nailed to the cross, he was praying prayers of intercession. Write this one down. Pray prayers of intercession. Back to Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You see, Paul understood the power of prayer. He wanted the Christians there to understand what it was they were to pray for. He wanted them to pray for a specific purpose, He wanted the people of Colossus to pray for him, asking God to open a door so that he could speak the gospel. He wasn't asking them to pray so that he would get out of chains. He just wanted to preach the gospel. That was always in the forefront of his mind. And he always wanted the people, the Christians' prayers, to be in accordance with God's will. Paul's always concerned with doing the will of God. How many of our prayers are directed at the eternal kingdom, and how many of our prayers are actually directed at our own petty kingdoms? Not that there's anything wrong with praying for things like that, but if that's all you're praying for, then you're missing the big picture. You don't want to miss the big picture, because intercessory prayer changes things. 
Write this down. Prayer is how God gets his work done. Prayer is how God gets his work done. And what's interesting, it's also how he works on us. If you check out your note sheet, you'll see there are five different ways that God works on us when we are praying. Because the prayer, it, it internalizes the burden. It deepens our ownership of the burden and our partnership with God. As we pray, we begin to see the role in the situation and how he might use us as an answer to prayer. The second way is prayer forces us to wait Eric has talked about that a lot. That God, God's answer to us is not typically yes or no, it's typically wait. And so this prayer forces us to get off of our timeline, our agenda, and to get onto God's agenda. Prayer opens our spiritual eyes. While we're waiting and we're partnering with God, we also get a front row seat to what he is doing in this world that we might normally be blinded to without prayer. Number four, it aligns our hearts with God. Our prayers help us to set our thoughts on him, let our emotions be set on him, and in turn, our actions to be with him. And finally, prayer enables us to move forward. Prayer engages God, enables God's people, and enlarges his kingdom. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing But once we have prayed, we're ready to do anything. Until we have prayed, we can do nothing. Nothing worthwhile. So what gets in the way of doing these things? Praying with persistence and passion and gratitude. Praying prayers of intercession. Busyness, isn't it? And busyness is really just another word for forgetfulness. I forgot. You know, we've got, we've got lots of responsibilities. We've got jobs. We've got school. We've got soccer teams and lacrosse teams and lawns to mow and cars to maintain and family members to take care of. But in the, forget, in the busyness and the forgetfulness of our life, Prayer just doesn't come up. Ruth Haley Barton, she's coming here next weekend, by the way, sign up. She uses this um, illustration. She has this jar of river water, and it's all cloudy. There's all kinds of things floating around. That's kind of our lives. We have all these things floating around in our life, and it's so hard to see clearly. And then you set it down, and you walk away. You get the stillness, the quietness that comes with prayer, and what happens? All the sediment settles and things become clear. P.T. Forsyth. Rob was really impressed with P.T. Forsyth. He was like, P.T. Forsyth, a Scottish theologian? He also encouraged me to do the quote in Scottish, which I'm not going to. But, but go ahead and look at the, the quote down there. Prayerlessness is the worst sin because it bespeaks as nothing else does that root of all sin. And then he quotes Roman one twenty one, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. He's right. We need to be a people of prayer, not only to give thanks to him, but to glorify him and get his work done. 
We must remember to pray. We need to take the time to pray. Last thing I want you to write down. Last thing. We must remember to pray. What does your prayer life look in the morning? Are you a persistent prayer? Are your prayers from the heart and passionate? Are they just a ritual that you complete at dinner time? Are they filled with intensity and fervor? Are they weak and lacking in faith? What about gratitude? Are you spending time thanking the Lord for all he has done for you, given to you? And who are you praying for? Is there anyone in your life that needs Jesus in their life? We're going to end the message with a video clip. It's from The War Room. It's, uh, it's a Christian movie, which I, I actually mentioned to a couple of people, and there was the eye roll, the, oh, the Christian movie, because they're notoriously cheesy. But I encourage you, The War Room is actually really good once you get past the cheesiness. It's true. But there's this scene in The War Room, and we're going to watch it in just a second. This is the example of prayer. She hits all the check marks here. I want you to watch this. done it again Lord you've done it again you are good and you are mighty and you are merciful and you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it praise you Jesus you are Lord give me another one Lord Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world. That will not compromise when under pressure. That will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. 
Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. That's some passion, huh?